Hey, this is actress Carissa Lee Staples, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast. Welcome to the O Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Future Man. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Applejack. <laughs> Future Man, Applejack. We're in you know, Bottle Rock. Just because you're a f up doesn't mean you're not my brother. All right. So, welcome to the O Brother EG. Podcast. Starting off with some uh, censoring to do in the uh, post production studios. <laughs> welcome to the O Brother Podcast. It is July 2nd, 2021. And we are coming to you with an episode. Now, we did a few weeks ago, we put out about the O oh Brother People's Choice and, you know, trying to get some folks to uh, provide some suggestions of films they wanted us to watch and review. We got a ton of recommendations, but this one's been a long time coming. One follower in particular has been uh, chomping at the bit. <laughs> for us to do a Wes Anderson based episode. So, but we're going to do what Mike just off Mike uh, dubbed uh, Westworld, which I like that title. So we're going to do, basically we're looking at an evolution of Wes Anderson's filmmaking. And it's, it's appropriate because he's in his 25th year uh, as a filmmaker at this point, you know, if you look at bottle rocket, which came out in 96 as his first film to now, which is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. So, we decided, you know, we talked about it for a while. And at first we were just going to do uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Was, you know, we we're just going to take the one film. And then we thought, well, let's kind of do, you know, look at an arc of his filmmaking. And Bottle Rocket, uh, Life Aquatic, and then the Grand Budapest Hotel were sort of a nice, almost 10 years apart. Not quite, but close. And so we thought, well, that'll be a good, that'll be a good arc to look at. And so that's what we've done. Should point yeah. out the the Westworld reference is a Michael Crichton reference to Westworld, just chopping off the T. Because I don't know if people would get that. Wow. Okay, if anybody's <laughs> tuning into a, a Wes Anderson podcast episode, they're gonna know Westworld. Probably. I mean, we're talking peculiarity and, and quirkiness and eccentricity, right? So, but thanks for spelling that out for the listeners. Yeah, but- Sure, they'll that appreciate does, the condescending. That doesn't the, mean West the condescending World, attitude. Westworld isn't eccentric. Sure, it is. It, it, no, Michael it, Crichton's sure it like sci-fi, mainstream kind of thing. Yeah, well, there's nothing peculiar or odd about Westworld. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's robots. Wow. All right. Well, uh, before- <laughs> and off we go. <laughs> Right out of the gate, folks. Yeah, this is going to be a winner. So, all right, before we get into the, the the meat of it, for those of you that are not currently following us, make sure that you do. And the easiest way to find all things O Brother is to go to our official website, which is ohb is in brother podcast.com. That's ohb is in brother podcast.com. And you can find access to all our social media out there. We've got a blog that you can follow. Brand new blog out there too. By the time this episode airs, you want to quickly mention what the latest blog is about? I had an idea to do instead of the Simpsons go to the movies, the movies go to the Simpsons. And it sounded like a great idea because 
there's a movie reference in every show. And then it was a terrible idea because there's a movie reference in every show. I watched so much video. How do you narrow, it, narrow down? it down to five? And, and I basically used our taste in movies to kind of narrow it down with The Godfather and Kubrick and so forth. You know, I wanted to mention you, you just talked about uh, basing it or, or you know, you, you try to narrow it down based on some of our favorites and things. And a few episodes back, we had done our first year anniversary episode. Mm-hmm. And we went back and we looked at our very first episode about our top five films. And it was it was interesting. Uh, yesterday evening, I got a text from my girlfriend's younger daughter. And it says, I'm going to read this verbatim. I, I don't want to misquote. <laughs> but speaking about, speaking of, since we're talking about people's choice and listener feedback and so forth. So she says in this Some text. tells me this isn't going to be two thumbs up. She says in this text. Uh, Mom said to text you a list of movies that I think have strong cultural relevance now in capital letters, not 70 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes on to make various suggestions, some some actually wonderful things that I'll talk to you about off air that we can put into some future episodes. Uh, She's a very, very smart young woman, by the way. So as the conversation went back and forth through text, at one point, she uh, felt the the need to add to uh, that earlier comment. And she says, mom told me your list of favorite movies. And it was very sad. <laughs> All time classic movies. Now, in, in, in the words of the late great Art Linkletter, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> So there you go. There's uh, some really it's good suggestions. Very sad. There. Very sad. I mean, she was referencing things I'd never heard before. So we we got a lot of homework we got to do because I've got a whole list of films now that we have. Well, to I'm watch. curious to see what she's written down. It's but pretty, are they all like amazing. new stuff? Or? No, no, not necessarily. So there's okay. I mean, so. they're much more contemporary. Yeah, yeah, but right. But, you know, uh, some of them are in the last few years or so. But we're not talking you know, the great classics or anything like that. So, but I, I'm sort of excited. I mean, I, I said to her, you know, that's good. I mean, it turns me on to things that maybe I wouldn't otherwise check yeah. out. So. Uh, Which segues good into Wes Anderson. Absolutely. Yeah. Get us into he, it. Well, first off, I was surprised. I thought he was younger than you for some reason. I don't know why. I didn't picture him in his fifties. I, I don't know why. Yeah, he's 52. Yeah. And so was Owen Wilson. Then they went to college together in, in Texas. And this guy is an encyclopedia of movies. And if you like Wes Anderson, if you love Wes Anderson, you have to get to Criterion versions because they cover so much stuff. And it goes into the crevices that I would never even pick up on. And his movie knowledge is so vast that I'm almost embarrassed when I listen to his commentaries. Well, and, you know, and I listen to the three commentaries of the movies of, we're doing today. Of these three, yeah. And and we're not going to get into the weeds with each of the films. We'll, we'll sort of make an assumption that most people have, have seen these films. And if not, go, go and watch them because we want to sort of stay on the topic of his filmmaking and, and, and the things that stand out. 
about yeah, because there's themes, there's themes in right. all of them, right? And for me, you know, he's if you look at a lot of his influences, you, you wouldn't be surprised at you know, Truffaut and Houston and Wells and Hitchcock, you know, the Kubrick yeah. actually, right? Correct. And what hit me is as I was preparing for the episode is not to oversimplify it, but Wes Anderson is one of those filmmakers who's an artist and a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I think those are two main components of what is so striking about his films. When you watch a Wes Anderson film, you know, you're watching a Wes Anderson film. And like you said, because of the various themes and filmmaking techniques that, that he brings to each of his films. We're starting with Bottle Rocket, which was his first film. Now, it's interesting. I, I just have to quickly say, I yeah. hadn't seen Bottle Rocket. Never. And, and No. And we just passed the 25th anniversary of that film, wow. as I kind of alluded to at the, the start of the episode. Well, and before it came I say out, anything, what did, you, what did you think? Well, all right. So it was released February 21st, 1996. Now, I got into Wes Anderson with Rushmore in 98. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, I followed him. Then Tannenbaums came out, the Royal Tannenbaums in 2001. And then the next film was 2004, The Life Aquatic. And much like a lot of the audience, they went, I stopped watching Wes Anderson <laughs> yes. at that point. Yeah. So, and, and we'll get into that. But I liked it. I, it was great because I didn't, I didn't go into it feeling like there was this huge hype or expectation. I just sort of knew, okay, this is his. This is his first film, a bit of a cult classic. And I didn't know a whole lot beyond that. I knew the Wilsons were in it and everything. And mm -hmm. uh, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. It, it and, was... and I watched the short. It was mm -hmm. a short film that this was made from. So I saw the short for the first time. It wasn't particularly a good film, but in retrospect, it's kind of gained, like you said, a cult following. You know what shocks me? is who made the film or how the film got made, who's behind the film, like who gave the green light. Gracie Films made the film. Does that ring a bell to you at all? We, we, yeah, we were just talking about The Simpsons. Right. James L. Brooks. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. right. So James L. Brooks and Richie Sakai, who's a longtime showrunner for The Simpsons, probably over 30 years since they've been on. They were the ones who kind of found Wes and Wes found them through another person. But Wes was really bold. I mean, he had this script and it was a mess, I guess. It was really long. And but he went to Jim Brooks along with Owen. And I mean, at this time they were sleeping the the three, the three uh Owens. Owens, Wilson thinking, brothers. Yeah, the three Wilson brothers. I'm thinking right. Owen Wilson. The three Wilson brothers and him were sleeping in like a one-room place, had no money. They borrowed money from their dads. Each dad gave them 10 grand or something like that to make the film. And then he went to James Brooks and he, I guess he was needling them pretty good. Well, so do we got the green light? Can we get it made? And he was that passionate about being a filmmaker. And it's so odd because he went to college for philosophy. Owen went to college for another liberal art. 
I don't know if Texas didn't have a film program, but they clearly wanted to be filmmakers from the time they started, you know, and they knew that. And I'm guessing that Wes Anderson did nothing but watch films day in, day out, because he knows every film. I mean, when, when you listen to him on the commentaries, it's like, oh, that shot's from this. That's got a little of this. That's, you know, like you Truffaut and Hitchcock. And, and then you go back and you look at the films and you see the different shots. It's amazing. Even some of the shots he duplicates in iterations of his films. But Bottle Rocket tanked pretty bad. And they talked about being in the audience, you know, how they were in the back of the audience for the screening, the test screening. Mm -hmm. And people were like walking out five minutes in. And, but Wes focused on the people who stayed like the four people who stayed, he cornered them and say, why did you like it? And built upon that. Now I saw Rushmore first as well, before I saw bottle rocket. And it was because of Bill Murray. Plain and simple. I don't think I would have seen it, but I saw the previews. I thought it was funny and I liked the movie. And that made me go back right away and watch Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Well, so, and there's a common theme is he's become, like so many others, a fixture, a staple in Anderson's films. Yeah. In fact, he's been in the most Anderson films, nine out of the 10. He's been in everything except bottle rocket they kept right. wanting to send him bottle rocket bill watch bottle rocket and you'll get an idea he's like yeah okay i'll, I'll watch it yeah you know he was never gonna watch it well and it's sort of it gave murray a rebirth when you know after being in rushmore that kind of launched sort of a second phase of his career at that point at least in independent films oh definitely you know and was that before lost in translation yeah, I believe so. I think that was 2000 something. Yeah, because it totally changed him because he was still funny in the movie and the movie's got humor, but it's also got a little romance in it. And, you know, there's the funny parts with his kids in the movie. But yeah, it definitely it was like a rebirth for Bill Murray. I think um, that's the thing you mentioned, too, about the 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 shots and and him being a student of film and and I think that's as I watched the three films that's what you that's what's most striking I think is just the way he's honed his craft over the years it's very I mean there's too many shots and things to really get in and analyze it's so striking oh yeah the the camera movement the things this guy can do with the camera is just phenomenal it's yeah. phenomenal to look at. As you look back at Bottle Rocket, what sticks out as far as themes? Mm. I mean, what what would you call it? If somebody said, hey, I got this movie Bottle Rocket, what, what's it about? See, I go more to the, the the tone and the fact that it's an independent film as opposed to like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a caper film, really. If well, that's what it, it down, is. Right. You I know? mean, bingo. It's which a is right. Which is, again, a theme throughout. And right? look at Budapest every and every single life film. Aquatic, exactly. That's right. Yeah, they yeah. all have capers in them, right? right? There's also family issues in every single film, whether it's brother to brother or father and son. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like with Bill Murray was kind of a 
a father figure in Rushmore. We shouldn't be talking about Rushmore because that's not one of the three. But in Life Aquatic, there was a definitely a father son between Owen Wilson and Bill Murray. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe hilariously was jealous <laughs> of that relationship. And, you know, to see his performance in Life Aquatic versus the Grand Budapest Hotel oh, is talk God. about polar opposites. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. It's funny. And and that's like and a, I hadn't seen that either. I hadn't actually oh, wow. actually I hadn't seen any of these films. I didn't Except even mention Rushmore? that at the top. No, I'm talking about the three were the Bottle oh. Rocket, Life Aquatic, and Grand Budapest Hotel. That's I funny. hadn't seen because again, when Life Aquatic came out in 04, it was just something about it didn't appeal yeah. to me enough to bring me in to want to see it. Right. And that was where it stopped for me, you know, unfortunately, because of the three, the Grand Budapest Hotel is by far it's my, my by favorite. By far the best. Yeah. It's by far the best. And again, no surprise. I mean, that's the, the most recent of the three. And right. of course, he's going to have developed and honed the craft, you know, even more by then. The other one that you'll really, that you haven't seen that you'll really like is Mr. Fantastic Fantastic Fox. Yeah, Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox. Fox. Mm -hmm. But it's like a troop. They started a troop. You know, well, and I, you know, I thought of that with the Nelms, right? We that was one of the things we've talked about. The Nelms brothers, sort of this universe. Yeah, and this family they kind of stick with people that you trust and you have a good relationship with. And you know, why not just continue that blueprint? And that's exactly what's happened is Bill Murray was the first piece and Schwartzman mm. and Rushmore. And then they add and they add and Gold, they never subtract. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff and, Goldblum. I mean, there's so many of them. Four, five Adrian Brody's been in a few. Yep. And um, you mentioned Schwartzman. Ed the Hulk. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Right. I mean, and, and Bruce Willis, I think, was only in one of them. Right. Yeah, you Which wouldn't one? know it because it was Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen Moonrise so you probably Kingdom. probably haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one. But his trajectory as a filmmaker hasn't been like this. It's been kind of up and down and up and down, both yeah. critically and financially. Now, I looked these up just to see what the ratings were currently. Yeah, I'd on, be curious. On to Rotten see Tomatoes. That. So for Bottle Rocket, and, and it'll be critics and then the audience is how okay. I'll review. So Bottle Rocket's 85% wow. and then 79% on the audience. Both higher than I expected. Yeah. And now Life Aquatic, 56% from the critics, 82% from the audience. So that's actually higher that's than Bottle Rocket. Now, of course, this would make sense based on what we just said, but the Grand Budapest Hotel is 92% from the critics and 86% from the audience. So. Mm. And that what and that about fits. Uh, what about Tannenbaums? Mm, I don't know. Or did I you look just look up those three? Yeah, I just okay. looked up the three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, but that's that's pretty interesting. And there's one after Grand Budapest, which is another stop motion, which is uh, the Isle of Dogs. The Isle of Dog, right? Which isn't that the actual the most recent? Is that twenty? That is the most recent. And he's working on the French. That's done. What has been done for a year? Oh, that's right. It got delayed because of COVID. Yeah. And right. What's the name of that one again? The French Dispatch. That's what it is. The French Dispatch. And it's got all the same players. And there's another one that nobody knows anything about that's in the works, apparently. Yeah, that's in the works. Exactly. And French Dispatch looks 
has the same look as Grand Budapest. I'm, I'm, I'm looking up right now, just to, so you asked about the Royal Tannenbaums. That is 81% from the critics and 89% from yeah. the audience. So that's the highest on the audience side, actually, would be the Tannenbaums. Yeah, that's not surprising. So what are some of the... What is some, you know, well, actually, let me say the first things that, that, that I picked up on, like with Bottle Rock, was the, the slow mo ending, mm-hmm. some of the use of the slow mo, which of course you see in the other films. His use of, and, and it was, I guess, most striking in the life aquatic was like the open sets. You know, they, they mm-hmm. had the, the, the set of the, the ship or whatever they were in. Mm-hmm. And the way he would move from, I'll just say set to set. It was like a play. It's like you're watching a play, right? Very much. Very the much. So. The camera goes from, it's like a sitcom, like a cutaway. You know, yeah. there's no like that well, fourth wall. Well, it's like wall. a ship that's cut in half. Right. Exactly. And you can see every room. Right. So but you the, can watch people go through it's this maze. So, it's so pleasing to the eye to see yeah. the way he moves. It. And I mean, moving the camera up down in, uh, it's just he's a master with the camera same cinematographer too for all these films and i would imagine probably most of his films right and guess where he got him from you're gonna love this where this is drugstore Robin- cowboy oh i didn't know that i didn't yeah. i didn't catch that wow. i mean that's a great you know, kind of like us Zant he film. watches he watches that film he likes gus van zandt i need that he gets guy. to know who his cinematographer is he steals them which would have been what was uh that was like ninety three I want to say it was drugstore cowboys yeah so, yeah yeah so he got him and it was funny because he wrote the first three with Owen Wilson and then he had a different writer for the next few and then I think it's Noah Birnbaum for, for the, uh, Grand for the last Hotel. yeah Grand Budapest and Life Aquatic. You know, he has a different writing partners. Life Aquatic was a Christmas Day release in 2004. Yeah. Wow. You know? And then that probably uh, didn't help it either. And then the Grand Budapest was March 28th, 2014. But yeah, the movement of the camera, the color palette, you know, in the in the films are very striking. Life Aquatic, but Grand Budapest Hotel with pinks and the reds and the grays well, and the blues. And it's just, if you- God, I love it. Grand Budapest Hotel has four different timelines in it. It starts with the girl putting a key. You remember the beginning? On the statue, yeah. On the statue. And then there's a guy, it's Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, yeah, great actor. Who's narrating the story or starting to, and then the kids come in the room. Which there's another, that's another theme, right? There's another common element in Wes's films is the narration, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Like Alec Baldwin, didn't he narrated one of them? And and um, and how he uses like chapter transition. Well, right. Part you know, one, part two, part three, yes. chapter one, chapter two. It's funny you bring that up because that's much more prevalent in Rushmore and the Royal Tannenbaums than it is it's hardly used in Bottle Rocket. Yeah, but I thought like in, in Life Aquatic uh, with Steve C. Yeah. and right? It, it, he used it and he and, uses it. And definitely in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, he doesn't beat you over the head with it in Grand Budapest. Right. But it's amazing that that hotel, that Grand Budapest Hotel is in Europe someplace. And it was a right. mall, like an empty mall. So I saw the picture of the empty mall. 
And then what they did is they built the old Grand Budapest because it starts where the Grand Budapest is in shambles. Hmm. And then we meet uh, the great actor. F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham, who we find out is now calling himself Gustav. Right. But he was the. He was the lobby boy. Um, the lobby boy. The lobby boy. And which is a young, at its height. Yeah. And Tony Revolori, yeah. who was new at that time. And I think Correct. that was his first feature film. He was fantastic in that. And film. they did a big search for him. You know, and then they wind up finding him in like California or something. And I have to say, it's interesting because watching Bottle Rocket, you know, that was the time at which, and just like when I got into Rushmore, I I was taking film classes at the time. I was sort of heavily into that independent cinema, that whole vibe. And Quiz Show, you remember Quiz yes. Show, which we loved with, um, with Rafe, with Ray Fines and um, from uh, The Big Lebowski. Oh, Turturro. John Turturro, right, which was in one of your other recent blogs. But the Grand Budapest Hotel was just such a pleasure to be able to see Ray Fines again on film. I hadn't seen him in in a movie for a while, just because I hadn't watched anything he's been in recently. He's, he's just so good. He's so masterful, so masterful. And so he, that, that was one of the most enjoyable things about getting to see that film. Oh yeah. The him. way he moves, the way he talks. <laughs> it's so just, funny. And the comedy so in, in Wes's films too is, is really, it's That's, very quirky, but it's quirky. Like in bottle rocket, one of my favorite scenes is Owen Wilson's trying to plan the caper out and he's got the map and he's like, Bob, you do this and you do this. And Bob keeps touching the gun. He's like, right. Bob, don't touch the gun. Right. Don't right. touch the gun. It's like turning it, facing them. Yeah. Stuff. He's yeah. like, don't, don't move the gun. And then finally right. he picks up the gun. Capers off. Right. Robbery's off. <laughs> Just like that. And I think, you know, you couldn't have found two other guys to portray such quirky characters. I mean, Owen and Luke Wilson are sort of to me that way anyways, you know, Owen always, especially. certainly Owen, certainly Owen, Owen. definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's funny because Owen kind of went because he started getting a lot of acting and, and it was funny because Gene Hackman noticed him. I don't mm. know if it was from bottle rocket. I think it was from bottle rocket. He noticed him and then he did beyond Behind Enemy Lines, which oh, is an action yeah. movie. Remember? I actually liked that film. Yeah, it was yeah, a good I, movie. I enjoyed that film. And Gene Hackman was in it. And then they came to work together in Royal Tannenbaums. Right. Hackman was great in that. Uh, I miss Gene um, Hackman. I know. It What a shame. Come out um, of retirement. Come on. Joe Pesci did it. You can do it, Gene. I know. But, but you know, the humor is very, very eccentric. It's very peculiar. I thought it was... To me, Grand Budapest Hotel was the best representation of it, too. You know, as, yeah. as good as the other ones were, it too, oh, it's just so funny. The way absurd. I, there's a scene with um, with uh, a cat. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's hilarious. It shouldn't be hilarious. Jeff Goldblum's cat. Yeah. His cat. Jeff Goldblum. Cat. Yeah. And then Jeff right. Goldblum himself has a, has a, you know, a lot of uh, characters. Uh, find an unusual demise in his films. You know, he uses a lot of models. Yeah, right? a lot of that's, miniatures. Yeah, yeah that's, that's quite that's quite obvious. 
mm-hmm. and especially in Grand Budapest. See, now I thought, especially in the Life Aquatic, if you go back and watch that again, it's yeah. very pronounced there. Which it is. I'm sitting here thinking, Crystal, who was the one that put forward the Life Aquatic as a recommendation, we're like talking about that the least of all the three films. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was the one. And she... the fact that it had the most lukewarm reception. But yeah, that was right. the one that she wanted us to to focus on. So. Maybe just to spend a couple of minutes on that film in particular. What is your take on that film? Well, again, you know, the, the same kind of themes. Now we're dealing with a bigger cast. But I know from watching all the extras in the commentary that Wes was really focused on Murray. I mean, he spent all his time in Murray's ear. But Bill Murray had just as much to do with the making of that movie almost as Wes. I shouldn't say that because Wes is so detailed. Everything from this little Z, you know, and that's something that's common in all is he has these little logos or Mm. I tried to find a red toque to wear, but I couldn't. If we had more time, I would have been able to get us keys from the jumpsuit or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you you think so eight years on from Bottle Rocket and you've got now Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Kate Blanchett, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Owen, of course, Angelica Houston, like the cast is phenomenal. Now I'm going to admit, and I'm going to get chastised for this, but I was so bored through the first half of the film. I mean, really bored. And then you get to that point in the film, right? It's always 60 pages in, right? About an hour in, and then you've got that tipping point. That's when I sort of woke up. There's, you know, not to give away too much of the film, but um, there's a pretty significant event that takes place out on one of the ships and yeah. kind of mayhem ensues. And right. that's when I started to get more riveted. I don't think this is a story. film we have to worry about. I guess boilers. not. It's so old. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But I but, mean, I hadn't seen it until yeah, the true. last couple of days. So, And yeah, I don't remember having that difficult the time getting into the story. Mm-hmm. There was something about Bill Murray that when he's, he's, and you know, funny thing in the commentary it's obviously based on Jacques Cousteau. Do you remember Jacques Cousteau? Oh, yeah. You might not be. Okay. Oh, I, totally. I didn't know if you would be old enough to, yeah. to remember. Yes. But he did these quirky films of like sea creatures. And that's who this character is clearly based on. Well, there must be something to do with the Jacques Cousteau society because every time they mention Jacques Cousteau in the commentary, it's bleeped out. Oh, really? Because there's a dedication to him in the at the end of the film. Really? It yeah. Would, I mean, every time he's like, yeah, this is about Jacques in a beep, beep. Oh, interesting. I was like, why are you beeping his name out? It's so obvious. Now, how anyway. long ago was that commentary recorded? I mean, was it around? Yeah, the that's a good of- point. It's like for people, like I'm holding out. I held out for a long time for Grand Budapest. And even like people will look at this and say, that's not the criterion. And it's not. It's what I do, though, is the criterion boxes are are thicker. Mm-hmm. So I usually keep a regular Blu-ray. Uh, it, the movie's in my machine. That's why. But it is the criteria. And they all come with like these sketches, which is basically oh, his great, brother. There's a great scene from. Yeah. Yeah. Which one did that's, you see? Oh, you Jude saw Law. them in the Jude, Jude Law, Law. F. That's Murray right. Abraham. Yeah. That's and good. here you can see Tilda Swinton. Yes, that's right. That's she, right. you know, she looks like she's like 180. It's amazing. The makeup. 
was incredible because yeah, I had to go was. back and go, wait a minute. I knew she was in it, but which character was she? So yeah, that was yeah. pretty crazy. That's so, something else to know too, is his brother is an artist in New York. He's living in Paris now, yeah. which I think influences Grand Budapest a lot because it's European, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's post-war and pre-war. Well, and now you have both. The, the French Dispatch. It looks like it's it's very similarly shut if you really pay attention to grand budapest through each time period he changes it's 187 in the first part mm-hmm. then it's you know widescreen then it's just yeah, the, the aspect ratio three. yeah he changes yeah. the aspect ratio and it's so bizarre there's some shots and i gotta say this one thing about grand budapest before i forget harvey Keitel. there's another yeah. Right. right. He, what else was he? Oh, he's in Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. But he's a prisoner in Grand Budapest and he's staying with these three other guys. He's a method actor. Right. Yes. So, so he says to Wes, I want to spend, you know, four days in the cell with these three guys just hanging out. And Wes is like, okay. Like Wes said, I learned to whatever Harvey says, you say yes to. <laughs> yeah, and he a- says he says whatever it is he asked for it. It's always weird. It makes the character better. It's interesting how you think of the cast of characters, meaning the actual actors, and they're all kind of cut from a similar cloth when you think about it, right? Yeah, in some senses. Yeah, Jeff in Goldblum. I mean, come on. Right. Bill Murray. Quirky. Owen Wilson. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. all very quirky. Adrian Brody fits into that. Now, what about, I may not say her name wait, uh, correctly, Sorcy Ronan? Who plays yeah, Sorcy. Sorcy, sorry. Yeah. Uh, she was phenomenal. She was only 20 at the time yeah, they made this This film. was one of her first films. I think she was younger than that. She was actually 19. Maybe 19, yeah. Or maybe Tony was 19, but- uh, her mother was with her, you know, the whole time they were filming because they all stay together. It's very much like a troupe, like mm-hmm. a theater troupe. Yeah. And they go, you know, they do one play and then they do the next play and then they do the next. So they all stay together in that Grand Budapest Hotel and in the hotel across the street. And they eat together. They have meals together. And that's something Wes is like demanding. Now, you can't go back to your trailer You've got to think of these are big casts. They are big casts. So you got to stay on. And he got that from Goldblum because Goldblum and Ray Fine stayed on set. So when it came time to incorporate their character, they knew what was going on. And there's so many characters, especially in the Grand Budapest Hotel. There's so many we haven't even mentioned. The list. I know. Of some of the cameos. Yeah, I know. What is it? Uh, uh Fisher, uh, Fisher Stevens. Yeah, Fisher or, Stevens had a small role. Uh, in that. This is a lot of actors like that that you've seen in Bob, a million films. Bob Birnbaum is another guy. Yeah, lots of them. The, the He's guy on Seinfeld. I was just gonna say, right? He yeah, played the NBC him. executive. Exactly. That exactly. was a good. One. So yeah, for me, going back to the art and storytelling, I think that's what stands out to me as I look at these three films, and you know, it kind of reignites my my interest in, in getting back into that type of cinema. Yeah. You know, you think of a lot of the films we've covered recently, you know, aside from the Kubrick episodes we've done. Yeah. 
you know, they're, you know, we're doing all these Disney ones. And, right. You know, this is classic cinema. Right. Right. This so really is. And if you see how he shoots and how he works, he masterful. works like an old time director. You know, he looks like he, he works like a guy's that been doing it 60 years. Yeah, he exemplifies the term auteur. And, and I'll be curious. You know, I, I think after Grand Budapest Hotel, I don't think we're going to see a backslide. Mm-hmm. I think the amount of knowledge he has now, I mean, the specificity, like in any of the movies, like in, in Steve Zizou's movie, if there was a chart, Wes writes out everything. Are you talking about like storyboard or something? Not storyboarding. Oh. I mean, like if, if there's a menu. Oh, I see. And right. they're reading the detail. off a menu. Yeah. Or if there's a newspaper and somebody's reading the newspaper. Wes writes every article in that newspaper. It's just amazing. Yeah, the, the, the attention to detail. Yeah, the attention to detail. And I think you could even say that that, that applies to the the dialogue. You know, there's a certain we mentioned um Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross recently. We talked about David Mamet and right. the cadence to the dialogue in the Correct. films is so um, you know, it's very stylistic and it's again, it it's a it's a you know, when you're watching a Wes Anderson film, that's something that stands out and is common throughout all these films, actually. Even even Bottle Rocket had that. Yeah. And actors, it's almost musical in the mm-hmm. way they say the cadence, especially with David Mamet, but the same, I think, with with Wes is and you'll see him sometimes. Okay, the cadence needs to be faster. Just speed it up just a little bit. And the actors, he gets the size of these scripts, you know, if you were to stack Owen, Bills, and Rafe's beside each other, I mean, just pages and pages of, yeah. of dialogue. Some there's a lot of dialogue in those in those yeah. uh, main characters. And Jeff Goldblum, like in in Grand Budapest, he's the attorney. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he just does this monologue that goes on, and you can tell it's locked in. Yeah. He's not reading or anything. He has got it locked and loaded. Oh, for sure. And just delivers it perfectly. Yeah, I can't but the say. Capers, the capers are in every one of his The capers films. are in every one, yeah. From this to Rushmore. Even with the do- sorts of. Even with the fox and the dogs. Yeah, that's a whole oh. caper thing. All right, in got- fact, mm-hmm. you'll see shots. There's a shot where Harvey Keitel and the guys slide down a laundry chute mm-hmm. the exact same shot is in fantastic mr that, fox that's pretty cool identical yeah, that's nice i mean uh it, you know shame on me for for not returning back to his films for so long because this is what you appreciate about film again the commitment to the craft is i mean how many how many people are really out there doing it to this degree right now i mean it, it's a very small list to get somebody like a Wes Anderson, he's a special director, just like Steven Spielberg. You know, they started when they were kids, you know, making these movies in their backyards. We're all so we're did old we. enough. Yeah, I know. Damn we it. did too, which is ironic because we're old enough before cell phones, before video cameras. Yeah, we got to dust and, off and that screenplay and get that thing made. Yeah, you and I used to go to the store and look at cameras all yeah. the time. And this is when there were two pieces, right? You yeah, know, you had the camera with and the you had tape. to carry the deck with the big VHS 
Suckers were heavy. And you couldn't edit it on the fly. Right. You know, we'd have to like stop. And if we made a mistake, we'd have to go all the way back and start over again. But, you know, that's what Wes is to me. He's like a special filmmaker. He's an artist. He's an artist. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So if if you were like me and 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 you turned away for for quite a while, uh, it, it's time to go back and start to consume his films, which I've got plenty to go back to now that I have to see. Yeah, on on his uh, filmography. So I'm looking it, forward to that. Grand Boot. I would start with Fantastic Mr. Fox for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most people like that that don't even realize Wes Anderson. They don't know who Wes Anderson is well i i know who he is even more so now so well crystal thanks for the uh recommendation Uh, sorry we didn't spend a lot more time on the life aquatic but you know know. we're we're right in line with where the uh, critics are anyways with focusing on that one (laughs) so (laughs) right but overall yeah he's just an amazing uh, filmmaker uh i enjoyed seeing all three of these films it's crazy i hadn't seen any of them Anything else to say about Wes' world before we wrap this one up? Yeah, just that the themes throughout all of them are just, if you watch them back to back to back, even just three of them, you see the flow, you see. But watching some of the special edition stuff is really, like when you see the miniatures, like I don't know if you remember Harvey Keitel, I got to bring it up again, where they're that escape. Yeah. And there's a ladder and they push the ladder down. The, that's like a ladder's this big. Is it really? See, I didn't even right pick up in front on of that. the camera. And he's that's, just like going like this. That's so funny. <laughs> so it's funny. hysterical. It's masterful. It's masterful. Yeah. Well, there you go. Westworld. That's going to do it for this episode of the Yo Brother podcast. Don't forget, if you're not currently following us, make sure that you do. And to find all things O Brother, you can go out to our official website, which is OHB as in brother podcast.com. That's OHBpodcast.com right on the mug. And you can get access to, to all of our social media. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our videos out there as well. That really helps us out when you do that. But for now, that's going to do it for this episode of the O Brother podcast. I've been your host, Dan Smith. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. And we will see you next time. Bon voyage, everyone. Dan! Dave! That's Esteban! Is that thing rolling? Vikram! Encounter with Harley abnormal! Shark like fish! 10 meters in length, unfamiliar dorsal features, spots all over it. I shot it dorsally with a homing dart. Esteban was eaten. Check the scanning monitor. Start tracking before going too deep. Esteban has bitten. Eaten. Is he dead? Esteban was eaten. He was swallowed whole. No! Chewed. Check the scanning monitor. Esteban! 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 Hi, everyone. This is Cindy Busby, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast.